Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. But this is our last uh, part four of the series, and excited to finish hopefully on a high uh, to encourage you. It's interesting, I was just thinking there as we were praying, obviously for God's healing, praying for God to um, make a way when we come up against obstacles and hardships. And it's interesting, that's really what life looks like sometimes. It looks like sometimes God heals us or he helps us to go through hard hardships and long-suffering is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so it's not either or, it's both. Uh, in case any of you are kind of getting confused, when we're going through stuff, yes, we can, we can pray for healing. Yes, we can expect God to move. But sometimes when he doesn't, the, the, God's doing something else, and he's given us opportunity to grow. So I'm just going to uh, remind us about tonight. Uh, we have Neil Clark over from Costa Rica. He'll be here tonight. It's going to be a fantastic chance to bring friends and family. He'll essentially be sharing a lot of his story. And uh, he lived for a season here as well. So as a few people know his story firsthand. And I think it's one not to miss. And if you've got any unsafe friends, family, even if you just meet someone on the street, throw them in the car and uh, tell them there's pizza. And then we'll just let the Holy Spirit convict them and do the rest. Amen. Um, so just a quick recap of the series so far. Uh, why do we suffer? was the first thing we looked at and we realized that God uh, uses our suffering despite it being a result of sin um, that was introduced in the world at the beginning. Secondly, we looked at the last one standing, looking at how the good shepherd lays down his life. How do we find that kind of ability to suffer well? Um, and we, we find that in order to get that kind of ability to suffer that well, it usually has a heartbeat. It's about family. It's about stuff that actually lasts the test of time. And three, things are going to come, or things are going to change. We realize that in suffering, things will change, whether we like it or not, but we get to decide how they change, how, how we react to that. Are we going to get better? Are we going to get bitter? And unfortunately, it's very easy to get bitter unless we choose to do things God's way. So I'm going to read out the first scripture here in James 1. Some of you will know this. Uh, it's quite an encouraging scripture for suffering. Uh, it says this, consider, this is in the NIV version, consider pure joy. My brothers and sisters, this is kind of part of you, when you read this, you're like, what? Consider pure joy. Uh, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I'm going to read out the message version here as well. Consider a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced to open up or to open and shows us true colors. Has anyone ever been surprised at their reactions under pain? <laughs> Maybe surprised at some of the things that you said uh, or other people have said under pain. True colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Now watch this. 
let it do its work. Let it do its work. Don't try to avoid. Don't try to cut off. Let it do its work. So you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Let's pray. Today's message is called, Let Suffering Do Its Work. God, we just pray and thank you that, God, you are a healer. But even better than that, God, you're a God that's making us into your own likeness if we let you. And that is the most whole, the most fulfillment that we can ever experience while on this earth. God, we thank you for an eternal mindset. We thank you uh, that you have sacrificed for us and showed us the way uh, to a life full of purpose and meaning. I just pray, help me to speak your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let suffering do its work. Interesting, we looked at the very story of Jesus, uh, and he gets baptized. And as he's coming out of the water, uh, they hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So he's approved of, he's ready. He actually was 30. Before, he, he lived on the earth 30 years preparing before he went into his ministry for three, just three years. And at this point, this is the kind of crossroads where things are about to shift. He's about to receive his assignment. And he hears this voice from heaven. This, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He's approved of. Straight after that, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, leads him into where? The desert. The wilderness. To what? Be tested. To be tried. And so the reality is, if he did not pass that test, he would have given up his glory, his purpose, his design, his call. But because he, he was able to withstand the trial and pass the test, he was able to change humanity and give humanity a voice of hope. And so the first point I want to make is a faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. God wants promotion on his, on his way of doing things. He wants to promote you. He wants to bring glory to his name through you. He wants to free you. But there's always a test. And the problem with the test is often in the test, the, si the teacher is silent. The teacher is silent. It's actually test season. We're, we're praying for the kids going through exams. And you've, you've maybe been there where, where you just are used to hearing the teacher walk up and down the aisle. And you're, all you can ask is for a pencil or rubber um, at best. If you ask anything else, no, this is, I, can't, I can't respond to that. Because the teacher is silent during the test. So it's interesting, right before Jesus is about to reveal power, reveal holiness to the world, reveal a become a sacrificial lamb that would break chains in people's lives. He was tested. He suffered before. He suffered in a greater form later. Because a faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. I'm going to go into another scripture here, and I want to, I want to focus on Peter. I think we can learn a lot from Peter. <laughs> um, in Matthew 16 and 21, it says this, for that time, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer 
many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed on the third day. So he's predicting and he's preparing the disciples, listen, this is the plan. This is my lane. This is what's going to happen. So don't be surprised. Maybe some of us in here should understand that, listen, don't be surprised if life doesn't always work out. Don't be surprised if people betray you. Don't be surprised. Maybe, maybe Jesus could maybe uh, give us a hint here w- with the life in which we live. Don't be surprised if his life is not perfect this side of heaven. So he's telling them, don't be surprised. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter's trying to teach Jesus now. P- Peter's tr- tr- what, what are you doing? This is not the plan, God. Jesus. You know, this is not the way it should be done. Listen, in life sometimes... Things happen which we just, we wouldn't choose to do, or we wouldn't choose to inflict that kind of pain on anyone. But they still happen. I think this is Peter, we have a bit of Peter's heart here, if we're honest. Um, he says, never, Lord, he said, this, shall, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter, watch this, and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You, don't, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns, you're only thinking short term. You're only thinking today. You're only thinking with probably emotions. You're not thinking, what about your glorious state in heaven? You're not thinking about investing in the future. For a, you're not thinking through eternal, an eternal mindset. Jesus rebukes him. And Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And take up the cross and follow me, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit the soul? Jesus is trying to lead the disciples into a place of investment, freedom, into a place where they don't waste their time doing stuff that really doesn't matter. Then we fast forward, and here, we, here Peter shows up again. He obviously didn't listen to a thing. He, it went in one ear and out the other. He, he, just, he didn't process correctly, obviously. And so, so Jesus is probably about to be arrested. And obviously, Peter's already made a subconscious decision. No, that's never happening. Even though Jesus corrected him, said, that's not your lane. This has to happen. This is God's will. Even though it looks painful, even though it's suffering, God's up to something which is greater than the short-term goal. And it says here in, in John 18 and 10, it says, then Simon Peter, so, so they're coming to arrest Jesus, and this is what Peter does. Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servants, cutting off his right ear. He done a Mike Tyson. He didn't bite it. He had, a, he had a weapon, though. But he done a Mike Tyson and took the ear right off. And so what that tells me is he had an emotional response, probably, to a situation which he didn't think should have happened. But Jesus already told him, stay in your lane. This is my lane. Because think about it. I was thinking about this. Jesus' mission and purpose on the earth was to die for sin to break the chain and the bondage and the slavery of sin. But that wasn't Peter's job. That wasn't Peter's purpose. Peter's purpose actually was to build the church once Jesus had done that. But it was as if Jesus, 
as if Peter was going to get himself mixed up into Jesus' territory. And it's as if he was crossing over lanes. He's about to get himself crucified himself. See, sometimes when you cut off suffering, you also cut off purpose and you cut off power. You know, as I talk to a few parents when I'm in the school system, or I talk to friends, or I've even been a, a student myself, you know, you get, you get into those scenarios where there's parent-teacher meetings. I'm sure there's a few people in there have been to a few of those. And, and also, as you go around and, and you go into different cultures, different families, you start to realize people have different family cultures and are brought up differently. And I, I remember hearing this term that a lot of people would use is, oh, they're wrapped in cotton wool. <laughs> Do you know what that means? Essentially, it means that the parent or, or the guardian at home has basically tried to prevent any kind of pain, any kind of suffering. If you want it, you're getting it. And in, in those circumstances, what happens is often is the kid that has experienced the, the cotton wool is not fit for the world around us. They, they actually become shocked when someone disagrees with them in the workplace or in school. They come, become shocked when they ask for something from the teacher and they get scolded or they get challenged or, or they get punished. And so that's why I think it's so important, even in church, in, as we preach, as we teach, that we don't try to teach this fluffy message that doesn't prepare us for the real world. Actually, they say in today's world, the most attractive people in a workplace are people who aren't wrapped in cotton wool, but people who have went through some things. They call it, in fancy terms, emotional intelligence. Not IQ, but EQ. Really what that means is, when you go through, when you feel emotions, and part of your emotions want to shut things down or cut people's ears off, you can control it. You can process in a more mature fashion. You can say, right, they didn't like my idea, but I'm not going to chuck them out because of it. I'm not going to throw them out of the boardroom. I'm not going to give up on them. I'm not going to cancel culture them. Are you with me? And I think that's when we talk about cancel culture in today's world, what we're really saying is we've got a generation potentially of some people who don't know how to suffer well. When it gets hard, they cancel, they cut, they chop. And because of that, they're not sustainable. They can't fulfill purpose. They can't fulfill a role. And there's a good chance they're going to lose their job very quickly. The same can be for church. We need a church of people who, oh, I don't feel like going to church today, but I'm committed. And I said yes. And I said I would show up, so I'm going to do it, even though I don't feel good. Because I'm emotionally mature. And I know my flesh cries out. And my flesh causes me to sabotage my future through laziness. When actually sometimes that hardship and that challenge is actually a gift. It's helping me to remove the wool. It's helping me to get in touch with the real world and real problems. It's helping me to endure. Did you know that there's a fruit of the Holy Spirit called long-suffering? <laughs> we don't quote that very often, but it's there. Because it's true. 
Of course we pray for healing. Of course we want God to make a way in the wilderness. But I've found actually God often does make a way in the wilderness, but it's, not, it's after a period of long-suffering. It's after a period of being in the desert. It's after a period of having resistance and challenge. Can I get an amen? That was pretty good. <laughs> I remember being in a staff team one time and there was a particular person that I didn't necessarily warm to. Anyone ever been there? Probably maybe personality didn't really gel with mine very well. And um, I was a bit younger. And I just wanted to cut the ear off. I was happy just to, oh, we'll just throw them to the side. Let's, can we just remove those guys and, and that person? And what, whatever happened, fast forward, I ended up in a different job. And that person wasn't there. And I was like, yes, freedom. And what I've actually found in life is another person with the same type of personality showed up. <laughs> and I'm like, what on earth? I thought I was free. Also noticed that when that person, you've heard people say no news is good news, meaning no challenge, no issues, no problems. But also, it also means no growth, no learning, no maturing, no character building. It means those things too. But also, what I came to the conclusion of, I might as well get better with what is in front of me and who is around me because they're actually an opportunity for me to mature, become more emotionally mature. I need the resistance. I need those different kinds of personalities and people who actually do have some value, who actually are saying some things that I don't like because it makes me uncomfortable because I might have to change. As I humbled myself and came back to the drawing board, I realized their gift, that I can actually consider joy. Hey, I, I'm, you're frustrating me right now, but it's also causing me to be humble enough to ask myself and look in the mirror, where can I get better? How can I actually love a person that I don't feel emotions towards in a positive manner? Because that's what really we're called to. And it is possible. Can you believe that? It's not just, we're not led by the emotional Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is consistent. It's just, there is no in-between. It's holy, holiness at all times, at all places. I was actually, I was also watching a movie last night, just came out, called Hustle. Don't, I'm not encouraging you to watch it because I didn't really vet it too well. I was just kind of dipping in and out of sleep um, while I was lying on the sofa. Um, so, it's about a story of Adam Sandler. Anyone seen it? Yeah. yeah, brilliant movie. Adam Sandler, he was an assistant coach, and he's found this young man in Spain who's an amazing basketballer, and he's trying to get him in the front door of this, this basketball team in the States, uh, and they don't believe him, and he's a very straight-talking guy. And because he's a straight-talking guy, the boss, or the son of the boss, the boss died, and the son took over. You know how that works sometimes. No experience, and, and he didn't like his straight talking, so he kind of, they came to a head in the separated ways. But in the end, Adam was correct, and this guy became a hero because he didn't give up. He, he really believed in the mission which he had with promoting this young lad, and he made it through. And the reason he was thrown out was because he challenged and caused friction. 
And honestly, if I, from my point of view, it was the son's problem who couldn't cope with the challenge. He wasn't emotionally mature. He, he hadn't developed in those areas yet, maybe after he had. And so it just reminded, of my, reminded me of myself going through the same thing, trying to deal with the pride in my life, trying to humble myself enough to get better. Because a lot of the times that's what it takes. You see, often our ability to progress is often determined by the pain that we're willing to endure. Some of us, we want to be somewhere. We feel God has called us to do something or we have an idea. But what actually holds us back is the sacrifice, is the letting go, is the holding on. Is that actually trusting God in the desert into the unknown, giving up our worldly ways? That's what often holds us back. You see, all, all throughout Scripture, we see power connected to crushing. Garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus had his biggest act of suffering, was a place of crushing. The, the Holy Spirit is represented in the Bible th through the picture of olive oil. To get oil out of an olive, you have to crush it. And that's when power comes. Rejection by man connected to being chosen by God. We see in the Scriptures, human weakness connected to God's strengthening. We see heartbreaking connected to heart renewal. We see the fear of God connected to the blessing from God. All throughout the Scripture. So let's fast forward. In, in John 18, it says... Um, in verse 26, this fast forward with Peter, Peter has obviously, uh, let's just frame it real quick. Peter's been called to build a church. That was his purpose on the earth. Jesus had been called to die for the sin of all humanity. Peter's got involved, got into the mix, chopped ears off, got off track, and Jesus just stayed his course. And, and here we have a scenario where Jesus is in his course and, and Peter's pretty confused and he's pretty weakened, to be quite honest, because he's discouraged and he, he's got probably a shame, I'm, I'm sure, for doing what Jesus didn't want him to do. And, and, and here he's trying to follow Jesus' story. Jesus has been captured and says, one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear, had, whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. So Peter's hanging around the courtyard trying to, what are they doing with Jesus? And he's, but he's hiding. He doesn't want anyone to know him because he's afraid of being crucified himself. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that mo moment, the rooster began to crow. This is where Peter denied Jesus three times. Interesting. So first off, he didn't listen to Jesus' guide of stay in your lane. Then he went and done his own thing and decided to cut the ear off, which went de de completely against what Jesus had advised him and prepared him for. And then, then it's nearly as if there's a weakening process going on. As he keeps stepping out, he keeps getting weaker. As he keeps doing his own thing, it might even look holy. He might even be using holy words. He might even be going to church. But it seems there's a weakening process. He's denying. He's losing power. Three denials. And the rooster grows. See, if we don't suffer well and stay in our lane and submit to boundaries, we end up in places of decrease, disqualification, denial, and decommissioning. And we actually later find out that um, Peter was recommissioned because he'd obviously been decommissioned. 
He had come off course. He had left his track, but when he left his track and done things his own way, he actually lost his power and he lost his strength. But yet it still seemed he was pursuing Jesus at the same time. It's nearly as if, it's probably a hard thing to do, to be honest. If, if I can picture it from a, if you were a parent and you've got a kid and you see them suffering. I understand why parents wrap them in cotton wool because you don't want to see anyone go through pain. But what if there is a moment, even as we, as we um, sometimes I, I struggle with that even in church. Like I, I nearly t- maybe take on too much myself uh, and I, I find it hard to let go because uh, uh, I'm afraid of people burning out. <laughs> But maybe, maybe there's a place in that where I need to learn to allow people a little bit more. Allow them to own their faith, to build their faith, to suffer a little bit more and to then come to the table of, hey, what's going on? Why are my emotions like this? What can I learn from this? And maybe the same as a parent. What if your kid needs to go through some things? And yes, you're always there as a coach, as a teacher, as a, as a loving parent, but what, what if it's a releasing what if it looks like silence for a while as they process and as they learn? You see, if we don't submit at level one, there's a good chance we won't submit at level two. As things get heavier, Peter was experiencing more weight and he needed more strength and he had less, it seems. To suffer well, we need to submit well. I'm going to call, come on, put our hands together for Cherith uh, forward. I have given her, I have given her, come on, put your hands together. I have given her about one minute warning before the service, so she's well prepared. Uh, Cherith, Cherith was actually sharing a story, her, her life story essentially to date with me. Um, and I really felt it was very fitting to finish off with her story uh, in this series because she's lived it. I know she had Ada during lockdown and that was hard with um, not having family around and being in the hospital by yourself and that was probably traumatic in a lot of ways. So she's done well. Out of that, out of that she actually gave birth to parents and toddlers. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but she was also sharing a story with me and I'll let her share a little bit more in a second. Just about something she's been going through recently and she had a dream and she had a uh, for family, et cetera, et cetera. And she came to a place, though, um, that was a breaking point and it was nearly like a submission in a way, a surrender, and it changed everything. So do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Um, yeah, like, I really definitely related to Phil's series and suffering um, because end of last year, well, recently I've been going through a really dark and difficult time. Um, end of last year, I unfortunately suffered two miscarriages um, so been through been going through a lot of pain and darkness and suffering and really asking God like what why have you done this to me like I had a hard time having Ada like can I not have an easy time in motherhood at least once <laughs> and you know I just I felt like God was silent and just like Phil was saying the teacher was silent I, I felt I was in complete darkness like where are you God like why are you doing this to me I just felt I couldn't honestly couldn't even pray um but thankfully, I had many people praying for me that I would get through this difficult time. Um, I had some time off work, but whenever I went back to work, I was seeing patients who were pregnant and smoking and work colleagues who got pregnant by mistake and didn't even want it. And I was like, 
God, I don't understand. Like, me and Peter really wanted these babies, and yet these people don't even want them. And I felt like I was just getting so better, and yeah, I was getting myself better when I seen other people pregnant, and it was so hard, and it was like pouring salt in the wounds. And I really did come to a breaking point. Like, I was in darkness and grief and sorrow, and I just thought, I'm never going to get out of this. Um, but I had to make a decision. Like, I can go on in this darkness and in this bitterness against God and other people, or I can choose um, to press deeper into him. So my friend actually gave me a book on miscarriages, um, specifically for Christian women. Um, and I really did lean into the scripture. Now, not because I wanted to. Um, I did it because I knew God's character. Um, and I, even though I didn't believe and feel his promises right then, I knew that um, he was a faithful God just from past experience and from my knowledge of the Bible. Um, so over time... I, start, I started to hone into gospel and um, realize like God actually sent his own son to earth to die a painful death. And it was painful enough for me to lose two babies, but what God did for us. Um, and I really realized like how great a story the gospel is. And then one day I was um, driving home and I actually heard on UCB radio a song and it said, um, you, you knew it all, Jesus, yet you chose the cross. And that really brought me to a breaking point because I thought Jesus saw my life and he still chose to die for me. And I was thinking, I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve anything what I have. And before I was trying to get myself out of the darkness and I kept saying to God, you know what, I don't even care if I get pregnant again. Like, you just take everything. And I didn't really mean it because, I, yes, I did want to get pregnant again. So I, I didn't feel peace in that. But from this moment, I realized I actually realized that I wasn't giving everything over to God. And I, I felt, whenever I came home after hearing that song, I just felt like I had a really supernatural experience. Um, I kind of felt like I literally physically was standing on the altar to God and was down on my knees to God. And I says, I give you everything, God. I give you my heart, my life, Ada, and my desire to become pregnant again. And I really did mean it. And I handed over to God and says, if I don't get pregnant again, I trust you, it's your will. And I really, really did mean it. And I was crying as I was doing it, but I meant it. And the moment that I did that, I felt instant peace. And I actually felt like the darkness and the chains of that grief and that bitterness just completely broke. And from that day on, like, yes, I'm still always going to remember our babies, but I just felt like a peace. And because of I wouldn't say I was glad at what I went through, but because of it, I've got closer to God, and I feel like I'm going to become a better mother to Ada. Um, but because I, I was so obsessed with getting pregnant, seeing other people pregnant, and then I went hand that over to God, and then I focused on my, um, you know, being a mother to Ada and my faith, and I didn't even think about getting pregnant. Um, but I, obviously, I kept praying, hoping, but thinking if it's not God's will, that's fine. And then um, God has actually blessed us again, and I'm 18 weeks pregnant. <laughs> Woo! We'll just go all, we'll all go home now. That's a, <laughs> incredible. So I think that's exactly it. It's interesting how sometimes the freedom you've experienced, you're on a different level. God has qualified you through pain, through suffering, and you've now probably encouraged every single person in this room and everyone that listens online because of it. So thank you, Cherith, for your story. Thank you for enduring and, and having that uh, 
long-suffering that the Spirit gives us and, uh, and surrendering to God because we're blessed because of it too. And believing great things for your family. And uh, thank you for all you do. Put our hands together for Cherith. <laughs> Amazing. Love that story. And just an even journey with Cherith and Peter uh, through that. Incredible just to see how God uses the hardest times of our lives. Somehow to, you're all clapping. So he's blessing us and we're excited and we're thankful. And that surrender of just ha- exactly what the scripture said. We try to hold on to our life. We lose it. But if we let go, we find it in all its richness. And so thank you, Jesus, for that. Um, We deny God's best for our lives when we choose to, to lead by our own emotions rather than God's way. And I, I find this interesting. I'm going to finish with this as, as Dylan comes. Um, Jesus said this at the very end of this kind of um, story. In verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight, as Peter did, to prevent the arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom but now my kingdom is from another place. And so our suffering in small now always points to big later. And sometimes the suffering process is long, and I honestly believe sometimes it's long because God's trying to dig deep. And it sometimes just takes us in our humanity, in our flesh, that long to let go, to get to that breaking point where there's a breaking of freedom, a breaking of surrender. Actually, probably... I would say Cherith would agree that she's more of an eternal perspective now. Um, understand the time on this, this earth is short, is temporal. And hey, let me look through that filter now. Let, what, what would you do differently if you thought of eternity? Who would you ask the church? Who would you have asked the church this week if you had been thinking about eternity, about a bigger picture? How would you have approached your family this week? differently how would you have, I was actually I heard a story it's very sad um, of a guy who isn't a Christian but he's sympathetic towards Christianity and his boss is a Christian and I'm not here to play God and, and judge people from the outside but by his words he basically said he's one of the most mean manipulative people that I've ever known yeah like, that's so sad and what it makes me question is What has happened in that man's life that's caused him to get there? That he still calls himself a Christian, but yet his actions are maybe more like Peter's. (laughs) And if we're honest, a lot of us are either there in some areas of our life or, or we've been there. And I think the beauty of, of, of Cherith's story and so many stories like that is that when we allow God to come to, into the depths of our heart and to experience his goodness and his love and realize that every breath we have actually comes from him, we were granted that. Our bodies, the amount of time we've had on the earth to this point, we then come with a posture of humility, of thankfulness, and we protect that posture through thankfulness. But I'm telling you, there's some things that God can't change in our life without a season of suffering. I would say God has moved, obviously, the most in my life to any other point than a point in which I went through deep suffering, rejection, 
I'm never going to pray for it. I'm never going to ask for it. I promise you that. But when it comes, let's not waste. Let's actually see there's joy in it. Let's see that there's, there's actually purpose in it. Let's see that there's parents and toddlers groups in it. What, what, God, hey God, what do you want to do right now? It feels silent. It feels like a desert. I feel I'm under trial, under temptation. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name, God, you're going to do something amazing. God, help my flesh to decrease and the Spirit of God in me to increase. Help me to do things which matter in the big picture. Show me your heart. Give me your eyes to see. Help me to become a better boss. Help me to become a better father, better mother. Help me to become more like Christ. I don't want to be here 10 years from now and to be a worse version, more bitter version, a hardened heart version, a more manipulative version of myself. God, I want to dig deep. I want to suffer well. I want to be an example as Jesus was an example to the world around me. But it's going to take humility. It's going to take getting on our knees. It's going to take constant prayer. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take not allowing the emotions to lead us, but just to give us feedback. Can I get an amen? Let's go ahead and stand. So a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. Sometimes when we, we cut off suffering, we also cut off our power. To suffer well, we need to submit well, stay in our lane, take our hands off sometimes. And our suffering in the small now points to the big later. What is our perspective? Is it just for this life, the short period of time, for this week, or are we thinking in the big picture? There we head by Nike. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.